Um, not, not everything in the world seems straightforward and all our questions about the world, even about God, about faith, about the church. It, it's good and it's helpful to ask questions. And, and I remember, uh, particularly in my like in a teenage years, asking all kinds of, of questions about God and trying to work out the answers and kind of always almost getting a sore head. You know, when you ask, questions like, what happens when you get to the end of the universe? What's on the other side? Well, it's just more universe. Well, what happens when you get to the end of that? Well, it's more universe. And you like, oh, I can't get my head around this. Or what happened before God was God? Well, there was God. Yeah, but before God, well, that was God too. Well, before God, what was there it was God, the eternal God, who was and is and is to come. And, and then um, kind of as I got a little bit older, and even though I never got, you know, an answer to those questions may depend on where you stand in the life of faith and what you really believe. But when I came to faith in Jesus, I, I began to ask other questions. One of the questions that I remember asking myself was, God, I know that you are good and that you are loving and you are perfect and holy in every way. And I know that you reveal yourself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this perfect community. Why did you bother creating at all? Why didn't you just enjoy being you and all of your perfection? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this perfect community and communion and relationship. Why did you create at all? Why not just enjoy yourself? Why take the risk of creating something and giving them free will and then almost letting them go knowing that you ran the risk that they wouldn't love you back and they wouldn't follow you. God, in all his holy perfection, untouched by brokenness, untouched by the mess of the life that we sometimes feel we are in or is around us. Why didn't God just enjoy and exist as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that perfect community of love that we call the Trinity. In that relationship of closeness and intimacy and understanding and mutual understanding and easy communication. Why take the risk with creation? Well, here's why. Because the nature of God's love his divine love is that it always is looking beyond itself and to the other. That love might be enjoyed by the other. And so he creates out of love and for love to be loving and to be loved. He created us for love. He created us out of love. Because true love has its focus on others that they also might know love. That's right at the very heart of the Christian story. Right from the very beginning of time, why he created us. To know and enjoy his love that is shared between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, uh, we were at a few weddings recently in, in the church, and uh, we had one yesterday, and 
Almost always in a wedding at some point, I'll refer to a passage of scripture. It's more of a hymn or a poem about love from 1 Corinthians 13. And about the middle part of that hymn or that song of love, it says these words, love is not self-seeking. Now, that's a really important thing to understand about love. Love is not self-seeking. Love doesn't look for what I can get. Love is self-giving. It's what we give in love. And so when God creates it, it's his self-giving. He is giving to his creation of himself and of his love. That's true love's nature. And in his outward flow of love that God then creates this human community that we too would know love. Love from God, love for God, love for one another. And we would share in this dance of love. Now last week we did actually do some dancing in the church. I was tempted, I was tempted to try it again because last week, I'm going to be honest, I was a little disappointed there weren't more people on the dance floor. I thought we might have got a few more for the Gay Gordons on a Sunday morning, but clearly not. Well, if we were going to do a dance today, I would do the dance of the Dashing White Sergeant. The dance of the Dashing White Sergeant is, uh, how many of you know the dance of the Dashing White Sergeant? Where you get into groups of uh, six and you dance, right? it's so tempting to do this, but I'll, I'll resist the temptation. And there's a part of the, the dance, you go round for, in your group of six and then back, uh, around for eight, back for eight, and then you go into threes. And the person in the middle turns to the one on the right and they do a little paddy bar. <laughs> this is a little embarrassing. but And then they kind of swing them round and then they come back into the middle and they do a paddy bar, paddy bar. And then they swing the other person. And these three people kind of just swing in and out of this dance with each other. There's great joy in the dashing white sun. You can watch and see it on people's faces. Watch it on new people's faces as they combine confusion with joy. But there's this moment where there's this just interrelating in this dance. I've often pictured that dance as a dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into which he then invites me as if I'm in and part of this dance of joy and love with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in which we are invited into this dance. It's like God in that dance widens the circle, not just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but widens the circle and says to humanity, welcome in. Welcome in. He widens the circle of his perfect, holy community and wants to embrace all of humanity. The invitation to be part of this beautiful community with God. And God is all about creating a new humanity. And then those communities, like us, would then be communities of that same outward flowing, self-giving love. In the same way that God works in this outward flow to the other. So too, as a community of Jesus followers, that that would be our life as a community. And even the dedication this morning is something of God's desire and design that family would be an expression of this community of love intended as a sign 
and a symbol of that closeness and intimacy, that love from God and in God. And all the way through the Bible, from the very first pages of Adam and Eve to the final picture of people from every nation and tribe and language all being united together in this love of God. What a beautiful anticipation. What hope. What hope. When we live in a world that is so divided that the ultimate plan of God to which he invites us to participate is to share together in the unity of his incredible love and joy. The community of the love of God with God. God is the creator of communities. And so we're on a series just now that is talking about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And, and let me tell you, you cannot fulfill the following of Jesus if you're not sharing in both the blessing and the responsibilities of being the community of faith with Jesus. God made us for this. Why? Because his love is always outward focused and flowing to the other. And that's why we become the people of God, the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. God creates us for this community of outward flowing love. Well, then we come to the New Testament and to Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of this trinity. And he leaves this perfect divine communion and he takes on human form and enters our world. And what does he do? He starts to form a community as well with 12 unlikely candidates we call the disciples, those who he asked to follow him, who became followers of Jesus. And wherever you look in the story of Jesus in the Gospels, you'll find him building relationships and creating community. You'll find him him calling people to the same love and also to live out this same love together. And that's what we looked at last week, that invite, the invitation of God to us all to follow, to follow Jesus, to encounter his love and to stay close. Do you remember that from last week that we need to follow closely to Jesus, be as close to him as we can and to follow together? Because when we follow closely to Jesus, we learn from him. We learn from his love. We listen for him. We, we are guided by him. We're strengthened by him. We obey him as we understand what he's asking of us. And then not only does Jesus gather them just to follow him, but then he sends them out. He says, we, we want to widen the circle again. Not just to 12 disciples or to 72, but to all. Jesus widening the circle of his community and saying, now I'm going to send you out so that others can encounter this great love where those outside who feel outside, who feel excluded, who think that God is far, that they too can be brought into this redeeming, healing, renewing love of God. And so as you read the story through the gospels of Jesus, you'll find this group of followers, they lived and loved and they laughed together. There's a great series on um, Netflix, other 
uh, channels are available. Uh, I think it also is on Amazon. Called The Chosen. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, search it out. Brilliant. But it captures wonderfully this kind of sense of, of these followers of Jesus in this community, living, loving, laughing with one another. They walked and worked and wept together. Times where they went through struggles with one another, where they didn't understand things, but yet they were joined together in this love from God with Christ. They ate, they talked, they learned together. And as they followed Jesus, this community was being formed by the love of God in Christ. Now, they weren't perfect. In fact, they were far from perfect. I I take encouragement when I look at the life of the disciples because I think I'm not the only one who doesn't understand things all the time. I'm not the only one who's confused by what God is doing at times. I'm not the only one who needs God's forgiveness. I'm not the only one who needs God's healing. I'm not the only one who needs God's strength. I I read it in in the New Testament. I say, man, I'm just like the disciples. Sometimes I am so, so thick that I don't understand, that I don't see what should be simple in this life with Jesus. And so the disciples are far from perfect. They're an interesting bunch, very different from each other. I can imagine that at times there were, well, you'll read it in the New Testament, you'll read it in the Gospels, where they were at odds with each other. But somehow, even in their differentness, they were being formed and shaped under this love with Jesus that would change the way they live. And as Jesus sent them out, to widen the circle of his love. They would live in ways that would bring generations of people into this love of God. But these followers of Jesus followed together and they were transformed. Friends, I want to say to you, there's no such thing as solitary Christianity. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, he doesn't give us an option to do that isolated on our own. He says you've got to be part of the family, part of the community. In the same way that Father, Son, and Spirit are a community, so the circle is being widened. And that in following together, we find more of the love and strength and power of God. You can't follow Jesus in isolation. That's not how this life of faith works. And at the very core of being a follower of Jesus is this community of faith, formed and forged in the self-giving, outward-flowing love of God. I've uh, loved having a real fire in our at our home since coming to Perth. Sometimes I just sit and watch it for hours and just look at the flames. But every so often, I have a problem with our, it's a wood-burning stove, and for some reason it doesn't take. And what I have to do is, I, 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 some of it is caught fire, but for some reason it's not taking the full fire. And so what, what I do is I start to take little bits out and just set them to the side until we can get this thing going again. But of course, when you take a piece out of the fire, even though the fire is small, and set it to the side, what begins to happen? The flames begin to die out. 
I've often thought that that's a significant picture of what happens when as the people of God who are meant to be all together encountering the goodness and love of God and widen the circle so others can, when actually what we choose to do is just to say, yeah, I'm okay. I'll, I'll just go this road alone. And we pull ourselves out. And we wonder why that in drawing ourselves aside, we feel as if things are just dying out a little in our spirit life, in our faith life. Why? It's because we were intended to be in and contributing to and receiving from the fire of the love of God. We need to be in the community of faith. You know, there's a lot of isolation in our society. A lot of people who wish they could belong somewhere. A lot of people who felt as if they've never fitted. Maybe they didn't feel as if they even belonged in their own family. Or, or where they were in their place of work or study or school or whatever. There's some people who I, I talked to much later on in life. And because they felt like they never belonged way back then, they still feel like they never belong now. There's a sense of isolation all across our society. People longing for somewhere to belong and to be loved. And from that love to learn perhaps how to love themselves and to love others. That's why when Jesus calls us, he calls us into community. And then Jesus started to send this community out to others to speak and act out of this love. But it's important for us to note how Jesus does that and how he views this community of followers that he's forming. And so I want us to read from Luke chapter 10. The words will be on the screen. As Jesus sends out his disciples. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. That's the community gathered together. And then sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out. And note this phrase. Like lambs among wolves. We're going to come back to that. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. We'll come back to that. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Remember that also. Heal those who are ill. Let me draw out two things that Jesus seems to be saying about the posture and nature of this community of love that he's forming as he sends them out. There's something about the nature and posture of this community that is so important if we are going to be sent out to widen the circle and embrace others into this love of God. Two things. First of all, that verse that said his followers were sent out like lambs among wolves. 
Now, we have a tendency in the church when we read this to think more about the wolves than what it means to be a lamb. We immediately begin to think about uh, perhaps the fact that maybe the world around us is a little bit antagonistic to faith and to Jesus and to the message of Jesus. I'm not so sure. Sometimes it is. But sometimes we forget, well, what does it mean when he says that we're sent out like lambs? What does that have to say to us about the posture and nature of who we are as God's people, as this community of love? I think Jesus chooses the image of a lamb to convey the kind of posture of love that his followers are to embody. That their mission was not one of force or power or pride or arrogance, forcing people into the love of God. But actually one of humility, like a lamb. Even when it feels like the world around is like wolves. Even the image of Jesus, Jesus is spoken of as the lamb. That picture is one of sacrifice, of humility, of giving himself up for the sake of the other and for others, indeed for all. Jesus gives himself up as the lamb for the sake of the world. It's all about his self-giving, all about his humility. It's that self-giving love. That's the posture. Like a lamb, even among wolves. Not the power and pride and arrogance. Look at us, aren't we all right and you're all wrong? That's not the humble love of God. But we're invited instead to humble love. Love that is self-giving, self-sacrificing for the sake of the other, like lambs among wolves. That's what he invites his followers into, to that posture, to that pattern of humble love. And what's the reason for this posture of humility? To make sure we don't spill over into pride and self-righteousness? Look at us. What's the reason for this posture of humility? Because we're all in need of God. Every single one of us. No different from anyone who's in this room or anyone who's outside this room. We are all in need of God. And that truth should bring us to a posture of humility. Because I'm in need just as much as you are of God and this love that changes everything. Fred Drummond, who's part of our congregation, but who wrote a lot of the material for this series that we're going through, he, he said this, this community, talking about uh, the faith community, the people of God, this community is miraculous, and it is full of people who know that they are weak and wounded, yet loved beyond measure. Man, that, I find that very powerful, because I'm not perfect. This community is miraculous. It's full of people who know that they are weak and wounded, yet loved beyond measure. The only difference, perhaps for me and to perhaps some outsiders, I know I'm in need of God. I, I, I can't and won't walk this life without him. I'm in need of the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
That's what brought me to him. And what we are, church, is a broken community being healed by the love of God and Christ and his spirit. Thank God that we are being healed, but we're not perfect yet. But we are being healed. And the disciples were far from being perfect, and that's the case for us too. And the church, the community of faith, were not perfect. We know we need God, though. We get things wrong, we fall, we fail, we get hurt, we hurt other people. But in our brokenness, we cry out to God personally and together, and we say, God, we need you. Our confession of faith, God, we need you. We need your love, we need your grace, we need your mercy, we need your forgiveness, we need your healing, we need your strength, we need your comfort, we need your compassion, we just need you, God. Now that's a posture of humility and love. And that's what demonstrates the love of God. That's what it means to be sent out like lambs among wolves. I think that's the posture that the world needs if they are to encounter and find the love of God. We need you, God. We're not held together in this community by our rightness, but by God's grace. That's what unites us. The world doesn't need to be told that we're right and they're wrong, but that we're broken, but God is healing us. That we're messed up, but God is forgiving us. That we're imperfect, but God is renewing us. Some of you will be aware that there has been a great awakening, revival, whatever you want to call it, in a little town called Wilmore, Kentucky. The Asbury Revival. In 1970 and today, the thing that characterized what God was doing was a posture of humility, of repentance and confession. Whatever God is doing, it begins in repentance, confession, recognizing our absolute need of God. There's a road in Wellmore, Kentucky, in Asbury. And the road drives between, on the left-hand side, the seminary. That's where I studied. That's where all the ministers and the clergy, that's where all the pastors study. And then on the other side is the university. That's where all the non-clergy study. Do you know where the revivals always happen? In the university. Not amongst the clergy. I think there's something significant about that. We're in the age where God wants to revive and to awaken the whole people of God. And God help us if it falls on me as a pastor. And whatever this is that is happening, it's happened because in the same way and we're hearing it coming out, 
it started in confession and repentance and humility and a calling out to God, God, we need you. It was a recognition of our need, not our right to God, but our need of God. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves like lambs and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, now I'm terribly impatient. I want to run to the then and then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I run to that, I want that. And it's got to start in that humility. And both this, whatever is happening in Asbury just now and whatever happened back then, It's rooted in confession and repentance. God, we need you. It's rooted in brokenness and humility, a crying out to God because we know we need him. We are recipients of mercy and love and healing, not because we've got it all together, not because we're right, but because we're willing to admit that we're not. We don't have it all together. We just need God and that's a humble posture and I think that's what the world needs to know about the love of God and this community of love we're just people who need God but he's healing us and he's forgiving us and he's making us new there's a little cross over here I know it was Dave's in today it's all embarrassing (laughs) I hope not there's a little cross just below the one that hangs on the wall. It's my favorite cross. I don't really know how you made it, Dave, but a little while back. Do you know what I love about it? It's not straightforward. In term, you know, the, the one above it's a nice, neat cross, isn't it? The one below represents more like my life. A bit messy, a lot of hard edges and little knots that God really needs to deal with. Thank you. Don't drop it. That happened before, which is why I'm telling this story. A little while back, a little while back, something happened to this, and one of one of the arms of the cross fell off and broke. And because I love it so much, I, I thought, "Oh, we've got to get this fixed." And I had no idea who made it. And that very day, Jan told me it was Dave. Dave made it. I said, "Well, of all the people to bring something broken to, got the one who made it." So we took it, sent it back to Dave, and they fixed it. I, I can't even tell you where the join is. This is, this is the picture for me of what it means when we come to that place of saying, I just need God. That we come back to the one who made us, who knows what we need, and he starts to put us back together again. And sometimes we see the joins, the little scars of how God has healed us. Actually, they're beautiful. Sometimes we can't even see them anymore. God has redeemed them and renewed them so much. And what Jesus calls us to as a community of love is to this humble acknowledgement. We just need God. I just need God. I need his love. I need his grace. And I need his healing. And as Jesus sent those disciples out, having experienced some of that, he began to say to them, now share this, widen the circle. Speak peace to this house when you go into it. Whatever house you go to, speak peace to it. Bring healing to it, for the kingdom of God is near. That's what the world needs. 
Speak peace to this house. Bring healing. Because as we need God, so too those around us. We're just a broken community being healed. And as we're being healed, we can bring peace and healing to others. As I think and as I've read about whatever is happening in Asbury, what I recognize is that in this fractured, anxious, broken world, God was bringing something that was needed as those young people cried out to him. Emma Jardin posted this. It was um, during the week. A student from Asbury, Madison Pierce, who wrote this. In each move of God's spirit, God clearly manifests, shows himself in a specific way for that generation. I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with a tangible sense of peace. For a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst a pandemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing humility. For a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power. And a focus on participating in adoration for an age of digital distraction. It feels as if God is personally meeting young adults in ways that are meaningful to them. I don't make an apology for tears because it just reminds me that I need God and you need God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And the world around us needs God and healing and this generation. We just need God. And we're no better, no worse than anyone else. We're just lambs. We have been gathered in an hour sent out as God's people of love and grace and healing and peace. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. As we were praying earlier on, There was a sense in which um, in our prayer time that God was saying 
in this time of family gathering together and family celebration and dedication and all of that. Now, there's some of us who understand this need for God, this need for a kind father, for his love, for his healing. Perhaps for those who feel as if we don't belong, we don't know who we are, we're carrying hurts or needs or pain or sorrow. And that what we need is to find the love of God. We need him. And so we're going to sing. And it may well be that for some of us, we just need prayer. And so I want to say that if, if you just want to say, I need God, I'm going to stand out, out here because I'm saying I need God. Now, you don't have to come forward, but actually I think it might help you if you do. And if you come forward and if you want someone to pray with you, we'll pray for you. But it's just saying to God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. So would you stand with me if you're able? And Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that there are times where you just move on our hearts in ways that remind us of, of our need. And we thank you for your love and for your healing and for your grace and for the fact that we belong to you. And as we sing and as we call on your name, come Holy Spirit and draw us into this circle of wonderful divine love and healing.